0: I'm Rachel Hampton.
1: And I'm Lizzie O'Leary. And you're listening to ICYMI. In case you missed it. Slate's podcast about internet culture.
0: And Lizzie's back. Hi! We're joined by the incredible Lizzie O'Leary. Hello, welcome back. Hello, it's lovely to be back with you. I'm so glad you're here. Um, not least because like nothing at all has happened since the last time we spoke. <laughs> like there's been no major breaking tech news. It's been like That's all really quiet it's on been very Western quiet, front. super chill. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. I've been very
0: bored. I haven't done anything. Yeah. It's like a downtime for all yeah. of us. Yes. Yeah. That's about right. <laughs> We're gonna get to like the slow rolling disaster that is Twitter um, in a moment though. It's less slow rolling and more everything everywhere all at once. But before we get into that, I feel like I, I have to bring up your your career pivot. You're <laughs> crypto bro
1: now. Oh my god, my my pivot into products of clothes. Yes, exactly. Tell me about this new pivot. So. I got hacked. My Instagram got hacked. And for several days, it was being a crypto bro mm-hmm. and sending lots of people, including you, DMs about crypto and posting these gains that it had apparently made, Yes, mm-hmm. um, which were also hilarious because this was right as crypto was starting to really, really crash. Exactly. Like, oh, my hackers are not paying attention. <laughs> And then it pivoted into telling everybody that I was starting a clothing line um, with like really strange wording. Products of clothes. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, I got to say, it was wild to watch as an observer, not least because, like, I'm going to be completely honest. I am trained and it is my job to be skeptical of things, but they almost got me.
1: Like, I mean, I'm, I, <laughs> Covered tech and I got hacked. I fell for a yeah. I thought that a woman I went to college with really was starting a clothing line.
0: Yeah, but your hacker was kind of brilliant in that one of the photos they used, they used like a a, a screenshot of a phone background to show like the deposit of money into their account, and on the background was a photo of your child. Yeah, and I was like, wait. So they were
1: very very good. I mean. I don't know. There were moments when they were great, and there were moments when they mm-hmm. seemed completely inept. Um, they did take photos of my child and doctored them to make them look like a lock screen. That's not what my home, my home screen or lock screen doesn't look like that. But they used those pictures of Sam. They interspersed some of the weird crypto spam with like pictures of him, and so some people were convinced. Other people, um, my husband and some friends of mine, were sending them like aggressive messages, like "Give her her account back." <laughs> So once I did finally get my account back, I had to go in and unblock my husband because the hackers had blocked him. But then they also bought things on Instagram because I, with the like associated card. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I I mean, this is so dumb. I have two-factor authentication on everything, and yet I didn't Mm -hmm. have it on Instagram for some dumb reason. But the things they bought, I sent you pictures. They bought a baseball cap that says puzzle person. Uh huh. <laughs> Three things of nail polish that were all the same, and an insulated mug that says, I'm a cool mom. <laughs> but all of these things were sent to the address that Instagram has on file, which is my apartment. So now I have all of these weird items in my house.
0: <laughs> yeah. So. Turn on two-factor authentication, everybody. Don't be like me. That is, that is the, the tip from ICYMI to y'all. Turn on two-factor <laughs> authentication, except not on Twitter, because apparently it's not working right now.
1: Yeah, I know. I have two-factor authentication on Twitter, but you don't want to log out because you mm-hmm. might log out forever.
0: Well, that is, in fact, the pivot for the show, because that is what we're talking about. And it's why you are gracing me with your lovely presence uh, to talk about a non-lovely presence. Elon Musk uh. and Twitter. <laughs> the thing is, there's, like, actual implications for what's going on as you know connoted by the fact that you've done six episodes on your show
1: (laughs) right i mean it's it's a strange thing i will say that this like from an internet culture standpoint this moment on twitter if you are in the united states is really funny like it's actually incredibly funny to watch people (laughs) dunk on the richest man alive like it's amazing it's really funny we are funny people (laughs) like it's been great It's less funny when you think about how Twitter is used in other parts of the world, Mm -hmm. when you think about the Saudis are now the second biggest owner of Twitter and like, can they see everything that dissidents are doing? I don't know, but I don't like the odds. It's a very strange thing to be sort of toggling mentally back and forth between those two realities.
0: And you are here to tell me about those two realities because hmm. I've been stuck in one, which is just the funny version of this and trying not to think about the other. But we, we do need to think about the other. Okay. So after a short break, I'll be back with Lizzie and with another installment of Ask a Tech Reporter and or Tech Talk and or Tech Support. We're working on the name. Um, we'll figure that out when Elon figures out whether or not we need two-factor authentication. Oh, boy. <laughs> And we're back. Lizzie, this is my most important question. The rest of them are kind of important, but, like, what's happening? <laughs> like, what's happening?
1: What's happening right now? What is happening? Question, question, <laughs> question mark, exclamation point, mm-hmm. as the new Twitter prompt. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It's so crazy. It is. Uh, I realize I am looking at this from the, like, slightly jaundiced view of reporter right but the watching someone overpay i think i can confidently say that 44 billion dollars for this company and then like squash its value fire people act like a toddler and that is Mm -hmm. an insult to toddlers online it's wild i like i'm not even sure i have the words for it
0: it's impossible to describe. I think that's why we haven't actually done a full episode on it is I'm just looking at what's happening and my brain is just static because it makes no sense that this not only is happening, but can happen. Mm -hmm.
1: I think it tells you a lot about how we as a culture allow rich people and billionaires to behave.
0: Yeah. So I keep seeing news articles, tweets about the FTC and consent decrees. What is a consent decree? Is Elon violating that? And what does it mean if he does?
1: So it's essentially an agreement that the Federal Trade Commission reached with Twitter back in 2011 after they had um, done some real dumb stuff with user information, so they said we will, we Twitter will maintain a robust cybersecurity program. We'll keep our users safe. Then last spring we found out that whoops, they weren't doing that so much. Phone numbers, email addresses, other things got used for advertising purposes. That's a real big no-no. The agency got mad. Um, you know, it, it it usually is a question of we are sorry. Here is some money. And the FTC watches you for a while. Okay, where the Elon part comes into this is that we know from his previous companies he has had many face-offs with regulators, including the SEC, Securities mm-hmm. and Exchange Commission, where he has basically just said like meh, up yours, and not done what they have told him to do. Um, and then there was sort of this other thing where there was a big meeting and his personal lawyer used that as a badge of honor to say to the Twitter employees, like, don't worry, Elon doesn't care about the FTC. A- and part of this is he has fired a number of the people who are responsible for doing compliance, for making sure that the mm. company, like, got all its ducks in a row. You're supposed to let the FTC know when there's big corporate change. <laughs> That's part of the agreement. There's been some real big change. So yeah. we don't actually know if they've, like, filed everything they're supposed to. But, yeah, I can't tell you if they, they or he have um, told federal regulators, like, what they're doing.
0: That seems bad.
1: It seems bad, but I can understand, sort of, if you're Elon Musk, why you might think you got away with that. Because he has repeatedly done this with the SEC over Tesla stuff mm-hmm. and... Ironically, perhaps it's about his tweets, like the SEC got mad at him for saying that he was going to take Tesla private and he had funding secured. Neither of those things were true. It Mm. didn't happen. Funding was not secured. So you could see how he's someone who's like, well, you said you were going to send me to bed without dinner and I still kept doing the thing and you never sent me to bed without dinner. So,
0: like, I don't believe you. Why hasn't he been sent to bed without dinner? It's a great question, Rachel.
1: (laughs) I would love Gary Gensler to come on my show and tell me about it. Head of the SEC, come on TBD, answer answer our questions.
0: Answer everyone's questions. (laughs) So I guess this goes into my next question, which is, has EO broken any laws yet in the past two weeks? Has it been two weeks? How long has it been? Two years?
1: I don't know. And maybe is the answer. Like, California has these laws. We're supposed to notify people about their employment. Mm-hmm. The, the, the laws he may have broken are about severance and notification, specifically in California. He has said he's fired these people for cause, which would allow him to get around that. So, like, maybe. I don't know. I'm sensing a lot of maybes. Yeah, I mean, there are a lot of maybes. Also because in any of these scenarios, you're going to have like, some very high-priced lawyers who can argue the
0: maybes really well. Mm, so there is a likelihood that we will find out in, what, years? That-
1: I mean, I would love for there to be, because when there's discovery, you get all the documents, and that's fun. The kind of run-up to the Twitter acquisition was because they were heading toward court in Delaware. You know, Twitter and Musk. And so a whole bunch of his text messages got released, and those were delightful.
0: Beautiful. Wait, what was, what was, what was in those? It's,
1: oh, it's a lot of like techie bros being like, hey man, I don't need to see due diligence. How much money do you need? I'm in. I'm in. What do you want? <laughs> yeah, let's do it.
0: I mean, if there's anything I learned from, I, I had a summer of scammer documentaries, which meant I spent a lot of time watching Theranos and WeWork documentaries, and the phrase due diligence came up a lot, and it seems like a lot of people don't do it, and maybe it needs to be done, and also maybe it doesn't.
1: Yeah, I mean, he he waived his due diligence in this deal, and that's why he was trying to get out of it or- originally, but the Twitter board was mm-hmm. like, ooh, you're offering a lot of money, more than what our company's probably worth, so we're going to make you buy it. Sorry, sucker. <laughs>
0: And now we all suffer. And now we all suffer. Mm -hmm. So if Elon has broken laws, like, has violated this consent decree or has violated the California law about, like, severance and laying people off, what is the likelihood that those laws will be enforced and Elon will face consequences? Like, is this another, like... I could have been sent to bed without dinner, and I'm not going to be because of the way the com- this country treats billionaires.
1: I think it's probably a pay some money and make it go away situation.
0: If that Phenomenal. Happens. Yeah. I love this country. Yeah. This is where I meant that I, I didn't really keep up with Elon before this because I wanted to avoid him because he seemed toxic. And the only time he would really come up for me is when Tesla started exploding or, like, driving into people. Which wasn't funny, but did make some great memes. Yeah. But is the way he's managing Twitter any different from the way he's managed Tesla or SpaceX? So,
1: I kind of want to break this into two parts. I think one part is about his management style. Mm. And the other part is what kinds of companies these are. So... His management style, we know from lawsuits, we know from books about him, incredibly hard charging, like, and we know from this week, right? He sent a, a basically a, a poll to the people who are still at Twitter saying like, are you ready to be like super hardcore? If not, get out. Mm-hmm. Um, he wants people to work hard. He doesn't want them to sleep. He doesn't really care if they have, you know, lives outside the company. And that works for some people. What we also know is that I would say management and setting a collegial tone is not important to him. And mm. the most egregious example of that is Tesla's Fremont plant, which is a plant in Northern California which has been sued significantly uh, over racial discrimination. And I shouldn't even say racial discrimination, like outright mm. just like astonishing racism. Um, the N-word scratched into the bathroom stall. Uh, Lovely. People using all sorts of slang. Um, there was an area in this plant where uh, black workers often were, and, and the white workers referred to this as the plantation or the slave ship. And this is not like oh my God. a random thing. This was like between 50 and 100 times a day, according to one black worker. And this is all from this lawsuit that the... California Department of Fair Employment and Housing brought this suit. It's really like you can go read the suit. It's a traumatic read.
0: It seems bad just based on the details that you've told me in the past 30 seconds.
1: Yeah. And he his reaction to it, you know, Tesla doesn't have a a PR department and actually neither does Twitter anymore. Um, There's just like no press department. (laughs) So often you get their responses to things on these blog posts. And he had written something to employees essentially saying like if there are these allegations and he wasn't specifically talking about the 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 California suit but he was talking about some other times this stuff had been brought up like that's bad and people should apologize but if someone apologizes to you it's up to you to grow a thick skin and move on so i think that gives you a sense of like what his thinking is
0: mhm no i'm i have a sense I'm developing some senses about him. I mean, what else do you expect from a man whose nickname is Apartheid Clyde?
1: You know? There's just a lot of stuff. Um, Ashley Vance, who wrote a book about Elon Musk and, and really about SpaceX, came on and said, some workers find the like casual management, we're all in this room together, working hard to make this product thing. That, inspiring. That they like that? Um I don't know, maybe that works if you have eight people in a room who all look like you, who all think like you, who are trying to solve one problem. But any time a company is, you know, a real big company,
0: yeah, that's not how you run it. Yeah, that has to abide by, like, federal laws about discrimination and harassment and equal payment. Right,
1: and SpaceX is basically run by, like, its COO. So, you know, I, I think... I think a question is also like how are these companies run when they're grown up versus how are they run at the beginning. The other part of my answer, you might be able to make an argument and I think you can that Elon Musk is a smart guy and and what Ashley Vance who wrote a book about him argues it's not that he's an engineering genius, it's not that he's like some crazy amazing thinker. It's that he's very good at spotting holes in the market and filling them.
0: Mm. Lots
1: of people tried to make electric cars before and they just like couldn't do it as well. Other people have thought about reusable rockets, like he's good at figuring out how to fill that niche. But those are engineering challenges that can be solved by writing better code, making a better mm-hmm. design. They're technical problems. Twitter is not a technical problem. It's not that you need code to be better. It's not that you need, you know, some amazing engineering problem fixed. It's, a, it's about people. It's about moderating between human beings. Um, figuring out, like, what the balance is between speech and, like, yikes, not Like, crazy hate speech. I think it's really telling that the Silicon Valley guys he has surrounded himself with aren't making that distinction. Mm. Paul Graham, who's a big investor, tech incubator guy, tweeted, It's remarkable how many people who've never run any kind of company think they know how to run a tech company better than someone who's run Tesla and SpaceX. And I would argue that Paul Graham is wrong because it's not about running a tech company it's about running a social media company, a platform, which is a different thing. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I mean, that makes a lot of sense in that a platform, the main product, isn't what the person at the top is thinking about. It's the users. Correct. So their experience kind of has to be optimal for them to want to stay on. Otherwise, your platform is useless. Mm-hmm. There's actually... I talk about Theranos a lot because it's really really only tech company I semi-understand. But this does remind me of Theranos in that Elizabeth Holmes brought tech solutions to a healthcare company, which made no sense. And it sounds like Elon is trying to bring tech solutions to a what is ultimately a free speech issue.
1: Yeah, and also one that I don't think he knew anything about
0: before he opened up the
1: hood. He's doing like the content moderation speed run. Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, he didn't even know. He found out, I think, today that Twitter does not drive that much traffic to news companies. But right, I saw him links. saying it's like the highest traffic driver. And yes. Every
1: single person who works <laughs> in media was like, yeah.
0: "Wrong." Every single no. journalist was like, ah, ha, 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 ha. "Good one." Yeah. <laughs> so. It's not apples to oranges in that SpaceX and Tesla are completely different, as you just said. But what can we take from the way Elon has run SpaceX and Tesla and extrapolate to what might happen with Twitter once this initiation period is over? I think we can
1: extrapolate that he trusts a small group of people to solve problems. Mm -hmm. That he... Is not good at listening to feedback, especially critical feedback, as we know he has fired people who are critical of him. I guess there's one thing I would say where, like, he was in those businesses from the ground up or almost Mm. from the ground up. That's not the case here. And so, like, I don't always know if there's a one-to-one analog because he's coming in and trying to learn a lot about something where he's not the expert. And that, I think, is showing
0: Yeah, I don't know if Elon has the ability to not be the expert. Which means great things for the rest of us who spend a lot of time on Twitter. Um, I can't say I'm having a great time because I'm starting to peer into the void and it's staring back at me. But I do need to take a short break. (laughs) After the break, we will talk more about Elon and Twitter. And Liz is going to tell me what's going to happen in the future. Oh, yeah. I know all of it. And we're back. So Helen Lewis recently wrote a piece for The Atlantic, and I'm going to read a quote from it. And I, I want you to react to this quote. Twitter Musk is the price we pay for SpaceX Musk and Tesla Musk. At least he's honest about the human cost of his ambition. Give me one honest Elon over a thousand tech unicorns waxing pious about saving the world. Discuss. How does this make you feel? That Helen Lewis needs to learn how to use Google?
1: Say more. Maybe that's too harsh, but like, I'm sorry, I just totally disagree. I mean, I think that Elon Musk has certainly positioned Tesla as, you know, a, a, a company that helps alleviate climate change. If you, if you look at Tesla, if you look at Solar City, if you look at Tesla's impact report in 2020, I just pulled this up. It says, Tesla customers helped accelerate the world's transition to sustainable energy by avoiding 5 million metric tons of CO2 emissions. I also have a very distinct memory of interviewing um, like a sort of prominent tech booster mm. many, many years ago, uh, 2015, telling me, I drive a Tesla. I'm saving the world. So I just I just don't think that's true that he hasn't positioned himself that way. And as we have just discussed, anytime there is a high profile opportunity to swoop in and save somebody, the world, um, the boys in the Thai cave, people with covid, he takes it. He may not complete that mission, but he certainly takes it. So I think that's absurd. I also think that maybe SpaceX and Tesla, you know. Are they interesting, successful companies? Absolutely. Have they done good stuff? Absolutely. But, like, are they astonishingly revolutionary? I don't know. I feel comfortable saying no. I mean, SpaceX is basically the U.S. space program right now, and it is a massive government contractor. That That's a lot of money coming from, you know, coming from the U.S. government, and they have done some incredible stuff with rocket technology. But, like, I don't know. I, this... this idea that he is a genius inventor is not correct
0: he doesn't make the proprietary technology himself does he
1: no and these companies have done i mean i think actually maybe the coolest thing is like what tesla has done with batteries like that that is in Mm -hmm. fact cool um but the the thing that he is good at is this thing we talked about of like identifying where a hole in the market is and how to position his company to fill it. And that is a genuine talent, but it is not a, you know, Albert Einstein like thing.
0: His desire to make humanity a, a multi planetary species does not strike me as altruistic, and it strikes me more as colonial, <laughs> if I must say so myself. <laughs> Um, my next question is about stocks, which I don't understand at all. um did Twitter actually cause a decline in the stock prices of the pharmaceutical company Eli Lillian Company because a Verified account that was purchased through Twitter Blue tweeted that insulin is free now it seems it seems that way um what
1: i don't you know the stock did plunge um <laughs> and it took quite a while to work its way back up what what was not clear to me, was whether the stock plunged because some panic trader saw that or somebody saw that and thought, oh, dum-dums are going to sell, so, you know, let's short Eli Lilly's stock and make that a play. Or another choice might be that somebody saw that, thought, ooh, that's embarrassing. Yeah, insulin really shouldn't be priced where it is. You know what? Um, let's sell because there's some reputational risk associated with Eli Lilly just at this moment, and then maybe we'll buy it back in a couple days.
0: Yeah, I can't say I feel bad for Eli Lilly, but I must say, I actually thought this was pretty funny, but it does seem, like, bad for companies that perhaps want to advertise on Twitter. Oh, yeah, they're not doing that that now. That one could just make a fake Cheez-Its Twitter and say we are now putting ants in our cheeses for a new source of protein. Or Chiquita Banana, we have overthrown the government of Brazil, which was my personal favorite. That was phenomenal. <laughs>
1: and then like, just kidding, we haven't done any coups since 1954.
0: <laughs> yeah, which true. Like it's not true. a lie, yes. <laughs> so far, Elon has at least in terms of what we've talked about, has, has not done a single good thing since his purchase of Twitter that I can besides giving us endless content. Hmm. Um It's
1: a great question. Have I missed something? I mean, I'm sure I should come up with something. There is an argument that a lot of tech companies, Twitter among them, overhired. Because in engineering, it's good to have a deep bench, right? To be able to like make the next cool thing. And it's not totally shocking that he would come in and say like, there are too many people here. If Twitter were still a public company, that's probably something that that investors would like. Um, but it's not. You know, one thing he... I, I will actually say this for the $8 verification idea. Twitter needs to make some money. It's not the worst thing in the world to have someone coming up with ideas to make money. Hmm. Forest for the trees type situation where maybe the the trees of $8, I can pretend to be Chiquita Banana. <laughs> actually lost you the forest of advertisers. But coming up with ideas for a money-losing product to make money, that's, that's actually something a CEO should be doing. Yeah. There. I
0: did it. I did it, Rachel. Did it. Honestly, congratulations. So you're you're nicer than I am.
1: <laughs> Just trying to see all the subtleties.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. I see things in black and white. <laughs> Why does this man have such a large fandom? Why do so many people like him? Why are so many people, and I would say part of my language, but this is my show. Why are so many people dick riding for this <laughs> man? I don't get it. <laughs> I don't understand.
1: Because the myth of the singular tech genius is very, very hard to kill in America. Mm. Um, I also think it's tied up with like cars and rockets. Like it seems really cool. These things seem mm, cool. Yeah, I actually have never fully understood the rabid Musk fandom. Which is often on display, like, in my replies, where I'm just like, ugh. Um, Also, you know what? People love money. He's really rich. People love money.
0: That is true. That is true. It might be that simple. I just have never met a more rabid fandom, and that is really saying a lot, because I spend a lot of time looking at fandoms, and none of them, I think, approach the level that Musk does, and I don't even know if they have a name for themselves. Like,
1: I also think there's something about him where he's right on the line of, inhabits a space where it, perhaps a slightly aggrieved straight white guy who wants to say a little more outrageous stuff, <laughs> feels uh-huh. like emboldened by an Elon Musk and, and sees a champion in him. Not totally unlike Joe Rogan's fandom.
0: Oh, God. But
1: seeing themselves as a more intellectual version of Joe Rogan's fandom.
0: That is true. I mean, the emboldened thing is really important to note, because the day that man bought Twitter, something the mentions of the N-word went up by an uh, exponential amount, yep. which was both not surprising, but also disappointing. I don't quite understand the fascination aggrieved white bros have with the N-word. Like, you can say it if you want, but also, if you get punched in the face, that's not my motherfucking problem. Like, I do Talk shit, get hit. Knock if you buck. Like, if you want to fight, we can fight. But I don't, like, come on. You don't want to fight.
1: Yeah, it's a real, that, that day was really interesting. And I will say that, like, one of the people who has, has, has since quit was someone who said some of that was like a coordinated campaign. But just the fact that there was a coordinated trolling campaign that wanted to spread the N-word all over Twitter, like, I'm
0: not okay. What What? Like, what does that tell you? So much, honestly, tells me so much. <laughs> so what's going to happen? Like, is Twitter going to go away? Because I, I have a theory, Tell and I've been the spreading this theory. Um, and by spreading this theory, I mean talking to my roommate. I think Elon is going to run Twitter into the ground, making it slowly more unusable and more unpleasant for all of us to be on. We will still stay on because we love jokes and we love going down with the ship. But I think then Elon will file for bankruptcy and someone else will buy Twitter. The Twitter will file for bankruptcy? Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then someone else will buy it. And then it'll go back to normal.
1: I think that's actually pretty... It's not an implausible theory. I'll put it that way. Thank you! <laughs> um, yeah, I was on Slate Money and and Felix was sort of positing a similar theory And saying someone could just say like, look, I will be the boringest CEO in the world. Yeah. Not going to make a lot of money. Don't You know, not going to do any like innovative product stuff, whatever. You can just do your tweets. Tweets. Mm -hmm. Everybody loves tweets. Um, Everyone loves tweets. Yeah. I think that's pretty good. I think there are a couple of different scenarios. Charlie Warzel, who writes a newsletter now for The Atlantic, gamed some of them out. Mm -hmm. You know, I think the one that we sort of touched on was like some of these microservices that are a larger part of the Twitter ecosystem might just stop working or they're really glitchy or things are really slow. And so Mm. it might not be a dramatic, like there might not be a dramatic death. There might just be this sort of like unusable thing, selling it definitely an option, but like how does he sell it and save face? I don't know. The other thing that's really important to note here is he has a tremendous amount of debt service that he has to pay every year And his own personal net worth is significantly tied up in Tesla stock. Mm -hmm. And Tesla stock is like a proxy in some ways for Elon Musk's image. So Mm. if he starts to look incompetent or malicious or whatever in terms of what he's doing at Twitter, that can affect Tesla stock, which then affects his wealth. So it's like this very weird little puzzle.
0: Um, that's all the questions I have about Twitter. Well, for right now, because I will probably have some more as things continue to evolve.
1: I mean, it could, like, it could change in the next 20 minutes.
0: Honestly, yeah, by the time this episode comes out, something wild will happen. Twitter will go dark and I'll be finally be free and I'll diminish into the West. But do you have any questions for me about Twitter memes? Yes, I do. And or anything not related to Twitter memes, honestly.
1: So my question for you is, can you please explain to me? Yes. Old person, <laughs> the... Taylor Swift ticket drama. Why are all the Swifties mad?
0: Oh, um, actually, this is kind of in your wheelhouse in that it's mostly a tech issue, but it has become an internet culture issue. So she announces this tour and the tickets go on sale and it is impossible to get a ticket. Everyone who logs on, even for the pre-sale. Importantly, the actual sale has not happened yet. These are all pre-sale. Wait, really? So, mm-hmm. Okay. So, people get pre sale through Amex or like City Cards or because they listen to her a lot on Spotify or one of the various ways that you get pre sale tickets on Ticketmaster. So, and Taylor Swift also has this entire thing about herself where she has like a lot of like clues and she loves a mystery. She loves sowing little seeds for her fans. So, pre sale also plays into that and that there'll be some like Fucking code word or some shit where you can get into the presale. So, this means the presale is extremely popular to the point that anyone who logs on is 2000 plus in line. Like, that is what people are seeing when they log on. People are in line for six hours trying to get tickets. There was this really funny tweet I saw the other day where a college student needed to go take a test and asked her advisor to babysit her laptop just so that she wouldn't lose her place in line. And I thought that was really sweet because he chose to do it. And I think that's what all advisors in college should do. So basically, all of this is happening. People are trying to give hacks to get into the actual sale. Tickets are going for thousands of dollars, like thousands of dollars on StubHub, which is... yes. Like, the scalper version of the tickets on StubHub have gone up into the tens of thousands of dollars. I saw tickets for $11,000 to see Taylor Swift. So all of this is because Ticketmaster is a monopoly. So they merged with Live Nation, so the only place to get tickets right now is Ticketmaster, which means that they don't have to make anything work. Taylor Swift is massively popular, so there's just this groundswell of love for Taylor Swift and getting tickets, and it crashes Ticketmaster. I think they might in the Swifty way somehow manage to make Ticketmaster like abolish Ticketmaster. which <laughs> if they do, I will never talk shit about Taylor Swift ever again. Like if there's a single fandom who was able to get rid of Ticketmaster's as a monopoly, I believe Swifties will do it. And so I I won't talk shit about reputation ever again if they manage to do that.
1: That's kind of amazing. Like good, good for the Swifties.
0: I mean, I don't know if they will take down Ticketmaster, but I will say there's a lot of animus towards Ticketmaster right now because of Taylor Swift specifically. So I'm really hoping that Taylor manages to fix this in the same way that she complained about Spotify and got better rates for people. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Lizzie. It was a pleasure, as always. I love talking to you. Same. I hope another tech billionaire buys another important website and we get to talk about this again. (laughs) 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 Oh, God. (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> All right, that is the show. We will be backing your feed on Wednesday, so please subscribe. It is the best way to never miss an episode and a yet to be named segment where we talk to a tech reporter. Please leave a rating and review on Apple or Spotify and tell your friends about us. You can follow us on Twitter for now at pod which is also where you can email your questions. And you can also always drop us a note at IcymySlate.com.
1: ICYMI is produced by Daniel Schrader and Rachel Hampton. Daisy Rosario is our senior supervising producer and Alicia Montgomery is Slate's Vice President of Audio. See you online
0: or on Twitter for now.